This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Do you struggle in relationships? Well, I read this quote on Instagram that I believe was originally posted by Mike Foster, and I have just been sitting and thinking of it over and over and over. It's 50% of any relationship is 100% you. Whoa. Let that sink in. By the way, welcome to the Crystal Pain Show. I'm so glad to have you here. So this quote, the reason that it really hits home for me is because when Jesse and I got married, I tried so hard to fix him. I saw all of his faults and his shortcomings, and I was like, I am going to take this on as my project. I mean, I loved him so much, but I wanted to help him be better. And I tried, and I prayed, and I was passive-aggressive. I was manipulative without even knowing that I was doing those things. And I would suggest things and preach many sermons, and he just wasn't changing quickly enough for my timetable. And I bet you can imagine that that wasn't going down so well. It caused a lot of tension. And it took me a long time to realize that it's not my job to fix my husband or anyone else for that matter. It's my responsibility to focus on my own self, to stop trying to be my husband's Holy Spirit or my children's Holy Spirit. When I focus on myself, I realize I have plenty enough work to keep me busy for a good long while. And the healthier I become, the more I'm able to appreciate my differences with Jesse, to notice his amazing qualities, and to really love him wholeheartedly. Here's the interesting thing, is I've stopped trying to fix him, and I've focused on myself. He's gone out and he's done his own hard heart work. 
without me even suggesting it. Now, I can't guarantee that you'll have the same results as I've had if you apply this quote, 50% of any relationship is 100% you, but I want to dare you to try it. And in today's interview with Jamie Amarine, we're going to talk more about how we try to fix our kids and how that always fails. Jamie's the author of a book on motherhood and parenting called Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors that I read recently because so many of you told me I had to read it, and you were right. It was fantastic, and I'm really excited to get to bring this conversation to you. I think it will really encourage you, no matter where you are in life, what season you're in, even if you're not a parent, I think that her words will encourage you in your relationships to stop trying to fix other people and instead to lean in and love them and walk with them. What's saving my life this week? This is the part of the show where I share something that has been making my life better, easier, or more productive. As you might know, if you follow me online, I use my phone a lot. I use it for live videos, for Instagram stories, for taking pictures. And as a result, I use a lot of my phone's battery. I can actually go through more than a full battery charge in one day very easily. And I was wondering what to do about this because it was constantly frustrating me that I was always running low on batteries or my phone was about to die. And then Jesse found the Apple Smart battery case. We actually bought these off of Amazon and I have loved it. And it's truly saving my life because I love that you can charge it while it's on your phone. So many other battery cases that I've tried out, you had to actually take it off your phone. You had to plug it into a special plug and you had to charge it separately. And for someone like me, that just didn't work very well. And it meant that it wasn't regularly getting charged. So then it was kind of pointless to be using it. With the Apple Smart battery case, you can actually keep it on your phone and just plug it in to charge your phone, and it charges both your phone and the battery case at the same time. I also love that it's not bulky, and it really works. I plug it in at night, and I'm good for the next day. I have two full battery charges on my phone, and that is more than enough to last me even if I do lots of videos and lots of Instagram stories and take lots of pictures. Now, I will say the Apple Smart battery case is a little on the pricey side. It's about $80 to $99 on Amazon, depending upon which color you get. But for me, it's been totally worth it. So I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. Most every week, I talk about a book that I recommend, and this week, I'm bringing you an oldie but goodie. If you have read my blog or follow me online, you've probably heard me talk about this book, but I just have to share it on the podcast because I haven't done so. It's called Dear Mr. Knightley by Catherine Ray. It's one of those books that when you start reading it, you just don't want it to end because you want the characters to keep living. And when you're done with it, you're like, I want to meet these people in real life. And then you realize it's just a fiction book. That was this book for me. Now I'll say that the first part of the book starts out pretty slow, but once I got to about page 40, I couldn't put it down. I was just sucked into this beautiful story. Lisa Jo Baker is actually the person who first recommended it to me. And now I know why she was like, Crystal, you have to read this book. 
It delves into some deeper issues of how past hurts and rejection can really wound people. And a lot of times people will hide their real self because they're so afraid of getting hurt more or getting rejected. I think it can help you to get a little feel for what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes and to remember that what you see on the outside and the way that they're acting or the way that they're treating you is maybe because of those deep wounds and hurts. Dear Mr. Knightley is also a story of healing and redemption and how to really reach out and love hurting people. So I'll be sure to link to the book in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by You Need a Budget. This is the budgeting software that we have personally used for the past two years and absolutely love. I've been telling you about it the past few weeks, but I have to share this unsolicited review that Laura left in a comment on one of my recent podcast posts. Here's what she said. I have been using YNAB, that's short for You Need a Budget, since the beginning of the year. I read an article comparing it to Mint on the Clark Howard website. I had used Mint off and on for a number of years, but was never really happy with it. I also took Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and attempted to embrace the envelope system, but wasn't successful since carrying cash just didn't work for me. After using YNAB for a week, I was sold. Their free workshops, their four rules, blogs, emails, and being able to embrace the envelope system with or without cash have already given me peace of mind and hope that I'm finally going to get my finances on track. You can use the program on a desktop if you aren't comfortable with using the app on your phone. The app is wonderful. I can add transactions as soon as I make purchases, such as logging $25 worth of gas before I leave the gas station. This allows me to have the most accurate information on what I have to spend and allows me to make wise choices. I have been telling people how great YNAB is, just like your husband, Jesse. It is true. I even wrote the author of the article that I read on the Clark Howard site to thank him for writing the article that brought YNAB into my life. Thank you, Laura, for such a great review. If you want to try YNAB out, they are offering a special freebie for you all. You can usually sign up for a free 30-day trial to YNAB, but they are offering my podcast listeners a free 60-day trial so you can really get a feel for it and see how well it works. To sign up for your free 60-day trial, go to ynab.com forward slash crystal. That's ynab.com forward slash crystal. By the way, Laura went on to say in her comment on my podcast post, getting a 60-day free trial is awesome. I got a 34-day free trial, so anyone signing up through your link is getting almost twice as long to check out YNAP. If you're concerned about paying the subscription fee once the 60 days are up, don't be. The program will help you with saving the money and having it ready when the payment is due. I truly believe the money that I spent to continue using YNAB is an investment in me getting to live the life that I was meant to live. So like I said, go to YNAB.com forward slash crystal and get signed up and try it for 60 days. And be sure to let me know if you end up saving a good chunk of money by signing up for it. And thank you to YNAB for sponsoring today's podcast. Today's interview is with Jamie Amarine. I first actually heard about her when a podcast listener suggested that I have her on the show. To be perfectly honest, I had never heard of her before, but that same week, her publicist actually reached out to me and asked if she could send me her book, which was called Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. 
And so I said yes, because this person had told me that I should have her on. And I thought, well, I'm going to check this out. And I got her book in the mail. I stuck it on the shelf for a few months. But I have to say that the subtitle of her book, which we'll talk about later on in this interview, really intrigued me enough to cause me to think, I'm going to add this book to my list of 40 books I plan to read in 2019. And so when I posted that post about those 40 books, I got no less than 20 messages from people telling me I had to read Jamie's book first. And I figured I should pay attention to if a bunch of people are saying you should read this, I should read it. So I picked up Sacred Ground Sticky Floors and I started reading it and I fell in love. In fact, I ended up talking about it multiple times on Instagram Live and Instagram Stories. And I was like, I need to have Jamie on the podcast And it's funny because it's like full circle here because this first started with someone suggesting that I have her on the podcast. So I'm really excited that I get to have Jamie Amarine on the show today. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for having me. So in your book, Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors, you talk really openly about your struggles as a mom. And I found this to be so encouraging because I think there's a lot of parenting books out there that it's kind of like, here's, you know, step one, two, three, and then you're going to have great kids. And mm-hmm. and your book wasn't like that at all. You you talked about how you wanted to do everything right. You wanted to follow the steps and make good choices. And I'd love for you to share more about this and how that worked out for you. Well, I have all the books. I have my background, my master's degrees in human development and child development. And I really did. I think in our society, we have this idea of what it looks like to have the perfect kid. And my husband and I were talking about it this morning. And he said, you know, what is that? What's the number? What's the grading system for a great kid or a great parent? And there isn't one. Mm. So most of it is stuff that we put on ourselves. And then we have these human beings. And they, just last night, our son, Luke, that wrote the afterword in Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, walked in and he's got a man bun. He's six foot four. And he had on red skinny jeans, red plaid skinny jeans and high tops. And he was like, I'm out. Love you guys. And Justin just put his face in his hands. And he was like, oh, my gosh, my dad would have a heart attack. (laughs) But he's such a neat kid. He's far from perfect. None of them are perfect. But it's this idea that we can follow a certain set of rules or plans and that we'll get this almost robotic printout of a perfect human being. And uh, I revel in that they're all so neat and individual and different. And I like them. I like them a lot. But you might not. And you might consider red flannel or red plaid pants a failure but there's there's really no measure of 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 that really there's no way to say fashion wise yes maybe it's a mistake but as far as character and what he has to offer the world and how he'll move about among other humans and do things there, there's no perfect measure of that and i think that in some ways we're stifled We stifle them. I know definitely I was stifled in my belief that it had to be done precisely this way. And that if you didn't have the results of what looks like perfect, you failed. Mm. And it's, it's a terrible place to live among human beings because what a delight it is to um, parent. And we're, I, I feel like we're robbed of that, but a lot of that comes from within. And I know it came from within me and I was 
tormented by the idea that I let them down or that they, you know, weren't going to be able to function in society or all of the things that moms do that we worry about. But I also think that by throwing away the idea that everything is going to look exactly this way, that it has to be done this way or it's not successful is just a lie from the enemy and we feed on it and it can destroy us. So at what point did you have this shift in your mentality that it's okay? You know, I I love that your son walked out the door dressed like that because it gives me so much hope as a parent, because that is a hill that I have just decided I don't, I don't die on as long as it is clean and it is modest. I'm just sort of like, you can wear whatever you want because in the grand scheme of things, clothes are just a really tiny thing. So I I love that, that you just let him express himself through clothing. We have some very interesting clothing choices at our house sometimes. And I'm just like, it is, it's their personality. But when, when did you get to that place where you're like, you know what, trying to do it all perfect is not working. Well, it's it's been a, a quite a journey. So my oldest is 23 and my youngest is four. So we have mm. six. And, and so it's very wide, you know. But I think mostly with Luke um, is when that onion had to start being peeled. Because with Maggie, she was just easy peasy, you know. And at first we thought she was hard. I think everybody thinks of her, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're never going to sleep again. And, it, you know, but looking back on it, oh my goodness. And then we had John who had some um, physical um, struggles and what we thought, we thought he was actually deaf for a, a long part of his early years. And then we had Luke and he was born, I describe it with a, bro- a broken heart. He, we lost his twin at right after my first trimester mm-hmm. and he was born with a broken collarbone and he had sensory disorders and he was sad and angry and just hard to deal with. And I, I, I can say I, I tried to fix that. Um, actually, I loved the way that when you sent your questions over, I really started thinking about this. I always wanted to fix Luke. I wanted him to not have to suffer. I wanted him to not have to struggle. And even though my other kids had struggles, his seemed so huge. So I remember just trying all of these things. And so we tried swim team and, you know, Maggie got her B times and John jumped in the water and basically qualified for the Olympics. And then all of a sudden Luke was like, well, that's not my thing. So, and then I was desperate to find something else and something else and something else instead of really letting him evolve, even in sadness, which is hard. And Mm. believe me, I understand. But what, what gives us character? What gives us depth? Our struggles and how, you know, we, we make it through those. And instead of um, really letting him explore those things, I was trying to fix those things. And it, really wasn't until it was completely ripped from my hands that he fell into this place where he's just, he's just a great kid. He's not your average kid by any means. And he's not, John became a Marine. Maggie's married, runs her own embroidery shop. And Sophie has her things. And now we have these two little ones, but it really is this place of letting them be who they were created to be. Of course, you, you know, you have your rules and the things that, you know, they have to abide by and stuff like that. You just don't let them go hog wild, but, but letting him kind of be in a space actually of sadness and talking about it with him instead of trying to constantly fix it. And when I was forced to let him go and do that and process those things and go through those things is when he really evolved. And what I see in the evolution of Luke's hearts is compassion. Mm. He has such compassion. And if I got to pick a trait for any of my children, it would be that 
compassion because when we have compassion, when we can see how others are hurting, we're so much better at serving and offering understanding and help. And that is basically, Luke, in a nutshell, as hard as I fought for him to just have happiness and peace, all the while he was evolving into this creature that is compassionate. The hard part is watching him suffer, but the glory and the suffering is who they become with proper guidance and being there, being there for them when they're going through that. And so we can't fix everything. And knowing we can't fix everything, I believe, is the catalyst to peace. Um, that is which, a really great quote. <laughs> knowing we can't fix any of the, everything is the catalyst to peace. I love that. So the subtitle of your book, which really intrigued me, was How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids. And I find it interesting that it says kind of great kids. Can you talk more about why you chose to say kind of instead of raise great kids? <laughs> well, my very first viral post was an open letter to my children, you're not that great. And it was just basically a rant on my phone, which I don't recommend anybody ever do. But like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. So I just put up this blog post, an open letter to my children, you're not that great, talking about how I did want them to suffer. And this, so this was also in that, that place where I was starting to see the benefits of, of suffering, of witnessing suffering, of being alone, of being hungry, of being thirsty. Not that I'm starving them or depriving them of water, but just this place where, wait, okay, so if they never have anything but success and glory all around them, what are they going to see as adults? And so I wrote that post and that's how all of this started. But the truth comes back to what is great? What is great? What, what are you measuring great by? You think they're great, but is society going to think it's great? So kind of great kids, I think, just kind of summed all that up. And then I was thinking, oh gosh, this sounds like a how-to book and I'm not I don't want anybody to think it's a how-to book. And it just, I was just drenched in this. It's not a how-to book. It's a how-he book, how God saves, how he moves, how he restores, how he is there and for us and with us and for and with our kids. And I, ever since then, can't stop smiling every time I see it. So the measure of greatness is in the eyes of the Father. I believe that with all my heart. One of the things, you know, you were saying, we talked before we got on this interview and I was saying, I wanted to address the subtitle because I think for some people, they would look at this and they'd be like, oh, well, I want great kids, not kind of great kids. And, but I think for so many other people, I just want to encourage you with this, that I feel like it gives freedom and it gives hope because for me, if I read a parenting book that makes me feel like it's an unattainable standard. I just come away feeling so stressed and like I need to do more. And I really try to stay away from those kinds of books because I don't need people in my life telling me to do more, be more, try harder. And so I love how it really gives grace to moms that yes. can be less than perfect and you can raise kind of great kids. And that <laughs> yes. is wonderful. And so I think that there's a lot of hope there. And it takes the burden off women to feel like they have to try to achieve this impossible standard. Oh, yes. And, that, and, that, and if anything, that's what I would love is freedom. Freedom from this lie that we're failing, that we're failing God, that we're failing our kids. I mean, it's not realistic. And there's, there's no number value to put to it. You know, there's just not. There's stuff that's outside of our control. And that, again, peace is knowing that you can't fix that. So 
But even seeing where they have bloomed and done well, even in the worst places, is a place where I think you can go, you know what, this is going to be okay. This is as bad as it it is, it's going to be okay. Well, I think in my own life, some of the greatest lessons that I've learned have been through the hardest seasons of life. And we want so much to bubble wrap our kids to protect them. But in doing so, I think we're actually hurting them. And so to allow them to have to walk through hard things and to not try to fix it and come in and rescue them, I think is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids because we're raising them to be strong adults versus these cowards or wimps Mm -hmm. because we just, you know, sheltered and protected them for so long. And so I love this message through your book. And I just would encourage anyone who's listening who you, you're just, you're discouraged as a mom, or you feel like you don't know what you should be doing, or you're walking through a difficult season with one of your kids, or you just, you're feeling like, I don't know how to do this well. I really feel like Jamie's book, Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors, will be a breath of fresh air and encouragement to you. So now I want to move on to the lighthearted questions that I ask all of my guests. And I'd love to know, what are you reading right now? Well, so I would love to tell you I was reading something fantastic. I am right now writing my third book. And so I try not to read outside of research. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's so easy to misplace my thoughts or I just haven't forbid you ever accidentally copied somebody or something like that. So I actually am not reading as much right now as I'm just doing research, which is really steeped in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So I think that, is that a fair answer? That's a totally <laughs> fair answer. And I want to know what your third word. book is about. Are you going to, are you telling people what it's about or I, not? Yeah, actually I can't. Um, so it's the working title is A Lighthearted Life. Freedom from the Lies, Grace for Your Thighs. Oh, and, um, that is so good. But it has developed into so much more. And uh, honestly, I, I say this all the time, but my cheeks hurt from smiling as I'm just, it's just amazing what God has been showing me. And I'm so excited to share it. And I love it. I love everything that He's showing me, even if it's just for me. It's just del- just been delightful. So, mm-hmm. and I, I'm all about the book of Hebrews. I just want to stay there forever. So. <laughs> I cannot wait to read this book, so I hope it's coming out pretty soon because I need to read this. <laughs> I hope so, too. And then what is saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea, something you've changed in your life that has made a big difference, anything that is making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. Well, so I was addicted to gumballs, and I have given up sugar. <laughs> you've given up sugar completely? I have given, completely given up sugar. Like and- for how long? Or you know what? Ever. I <laughs> I think forever. It's wow. not even been a struggle or anything, but I would have to say there's not any like product or anything like that. But my husband has been such a blessing to me in this season because I've just felt like for my health reasons and then also some things, and I don't want to scare anybody off from, from lighthearted living because it's not about giving up sugar. It's about listening to your body and stuff. But he's been so dear, just supportive and He's just been awesome. We just moved to the Houston area a couple of years ago. And so he left his hometown from forever and moved here. And I have just been so blessed by his companionship and how he supported my writing and all my experiments that come up from my writing. And so I guess it boils down to no more gumballs and all things Justin. So. <laughs> I love that. That is very creative. And we've not had anyone's, anyone say either of those things. So congratulations. Well, Thank you. I have to ask, so how long, how long have you, have you given up sugar for? Like, when did this, when did that start? 
I think it's been five and a half weeks. And somebody said to me the other day, well, what about your son's wedding? Are you not gonna have wedding cake? And I remember a time when I would have thought, oh my gosh, yeah, I gotta have wedding cake. And I just went, no, I, that's not for me. And that, that is a lot of what goes on in, in the lighthearted life book is stuff that's for us and stuff that's not for us and really being in tune with what God wants for us. And sugar is not good for me. I have no clarity and I did love it. And I don't anymore because it's not for me. Mm. It's just not for me. That's not for me. Other things are for me. Avocados are for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think sugar and avocados are for me, but no, I actually gave up sugar for quite a long while. I did not have any sugar. And um, I found, I gave up a lot of other things. I did this cleanse and then it was a almost two years where I really healthfully for some different health reasons. And um, I found that there was so much, I was very empowered because at first it was very hard. I realized it was an addiction Mm -hmm. and um, to give it up and to let it go. I realized how much food was a comfort to me in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And then when I gave it up and when I really broke free from that, there was just so much empowerment to be like, I don't have to have sugar And I'm totally fine. I can be in situations where everyone else is eating this decadent cheesecake and I don't need it. And there's just something there that it really, it teaches you a lot of life lessons that you can apply to either areas of your life as well. And so I love that. I love that that's saving your life. That's that's really powerful. Okay. So just thank you so much for writing with um, Satranas and being willing to come on and share. I, I just really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to read your other book because you have other, another book, Stolen Jesus. And it's actually mm-hmm. right up on my shelf right now Yay! here in my office. And then your third book, I can't wait for that. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Crystal. Seriously, you have truly blessed me and I appreciate it. Today's question is from Krista. She wrote in and said, I have been praying for a year or two for God to provide a job for me that would enable me to continue to stay home with my kids and homeschool them. But he has not opened any doors. I've tried selling on eBay, selling crafts. I've taken a virtual assistant course and so on and so forth. And I just never get anywhere. After much prayer and with the support of my husband, I applied for a job at a local ministry. They hired me within three days after I applied. I'm so excited for this position, but this stay-at-home mama of 19 years will now be working four and a half days a week. I know this is where God has called me at this time, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around the fact that I will no longer be home with my kids. So she asked, how did you emotionally adjust to not homeschooling anymore and giving up the reality that you knew for a new reality? Krista, I thought this was such a great question, and I know that transitions like this are really hard. And I just want to speak to you today and encourage you, take some time, first off, to grieve this loss. I think in our society that we get so caught up in the day-to-day that we don't take time to truly stop and grieve. This is a loss. It's a loss of the life that you knew for 19 years And take some time and give yourself grace to really sit in that space and grieve this. I think it will help you because as I've heard, you have to feel the pain in order to heal from the pain. And so if you want to move on and really be successful and flourish in this new position, I think sitting there and grieving first is going to be the first step for you. And then I challenge you to be honest with a few safe people. I don't know what that would look like for you, but I would encourage you to think of people in your life who 
they are safe spaces for you that you can go and you can just really talk with them and you can be honest and you can say, this is hard and I'm struggling with this and I'm sad. And you can be honest with your feelings with them. And then I encourage you to notice the blessings. There are going to be blessings all around in this new position. And when you start looking for them, you're going to see them. Maybe that's just new opportunities to impact other people, to encourage other people. Maybe that's opportunities for your children to mature and to grow and have to step into new responsibilities. When you start paying attention for blessings, you're going to see them all around, and it's going to help this transition be smoother for you. And finally, I just want to challenge you to find your identity in who you are, not in what you do. I remember when we were talking and praying about possibly putting our kids in school, and it was so hard for me to even consider it because I'd always thought, I'm just always going to homeschool my kids. And I didn't realize it, but that was a label that I was wearing. I was a homeschool mom, and that was part of my identity. And when we made that decision to put them in a small private school, and I remember dropping them off that first day, it was kind of like I had to do kindergarten for three kids at once. And I came home and I was just so sad. And then I had to go and I had to take off homeschool mom on my bio on different places on the internet. And I, for the first time, realized that that was an identity piece for me, that I was putting some stock in being a homeschool mom. And so God really used that in my life to help me to camp on who I am in Christ and really understand that and not in what I do or a label that I wear. So I would challenge you to just spend some time really understanding who He thinks of you, how much you are loved by God, and to find your identity in that, not in what you do. Because here's the beautiful thing. When you find your identity in whose you are and not in what you do, no matter what happens in life, no matter what transitions are in your future, you can camp in that space that you are loved by God and you are His. And it's not a label that you wear that makes what you are. It's who you are. As always, if you have a question on any topic you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 